Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and the podcast that follows is a very wide-ranging discussion that I had with a fellow biohacker, Steve Cronin, who you've probably seen around YouTube. We get into, boy, a lot of different topics here. We talk about different nootropics that we use. We talk about different strategies that we use with them, kind of some advanced inside baseball biohacker stuff. We talk about my recent book, How to Be Cross-Eyed, Thriving Despite Your Physical Imperfection. He has some interesting insights on it. We get into philosophy. We talk about tantric sex. We talk a bit about internet censorship, but not too much because I know it's probably a subject that you're bored with already. Hope you enjoy it. Awesome. Let's do it, brother. Cool. All right. So last time we chatted was almost a year ago, I think, in April. Um, and this was after this was after YouTube deleted a bunch of nootropics channels or biohacking related channels, including ours, within the span of like 48 hours or so. Um, mm-hmm. And we 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 chatted then and then I think we chatted once before when I was living in New York, kind of about biohacking in general which was great because I've been watching your YouTube channel for, for years. I mean, for probably like four years or something, I was following you for a long time. So, um, and I know the, the, the YouTube community were, were happy for, for us to collaborate and get together and chat. Um, but I saw, um, there was many thumbs up, thumbs thumbs up guys, please, please thumbs us up. If you thumb us up enough, they might not ban us. There's a chance. Like button. Use every thumb you've got. Um, right. Log into every single account you have. Please. But I noticed I was going through your Twitter feed um, and, and, and noticed that I, I didn't really look through the details, but that you, was your account, you have another platform. Was it Vimeo that has been suspended in some way? Can you, yes. Can you tell me a, a bit about that? I don't have that much details about why I was suspended, why it said that it was disabled. So I think that I am blacklisted from the Vimeo club, which is pretty disappointing because I was a customer of theirs. And with with YouTube, I can kind of understand their flagrant suspension and censorship and kicking people off because it's sort of a a free thing. You don't pay YouTube to host your content, but I was paying Vimeo. So it was a bit, a bit more offensive. And I have tried to get in touch with them and find out what, what it was that I, what did I say guys? Cause I do uh, videos that are quite high quality, uh, well-researched, articulate, thought-fill kind of content that could be uh, that could be construed by anybody remotely reasonable as being uh, discriminatory, hate speech, uh, dangerous, promoting whatever it is that they don't want on their platform. So that was a bit of a disappointment, and I don't want to talk too much about internet tech censorship because it's such a beat to death issue already. 
I just want to urge people that do value uh, a rigorous approach to figuring out how to optimize our biology and optimize our minds to connect with us, connect with me and Steve on some of these pro-free speech websites, because those are places where I am confident that they're not going to uh, just delete all my content and delete the conversations that go on that are stimulated by the research that I put out there so, so, so flagrantly. And then I'd also urge people to, you know, to get off of the mainstream Silicon Valley internet platforms and venture back out there into the wild, wild west of the World Wide Web and visit, visit our websites. And there's things on websites that are very, very interesting, that can enlighten you, that can enrich your life, that are just not allowed on YouTube anymore. Yeah, I, pull, I, so, I mean, I pulled, and, 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 and yeah, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but yeah, I pulled up your tweet um, with your screenshot from Vimeo, and I, I've never used Vimeo before. So you paid, you paid to use their platform, and you paid to have like some kind of upgraded feature for their platform, um, is, 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 is what I'm gathering. And, mm -hmm. and they send you a message saying that your content has violated their terms of service, which, which is kind of a, a, a vague, the screenshot is kind of a vague reason. And I mean, yeah, we went through this with YouTube. Um, you, me, uh, uh, Ryan Ballow, um, and among, among other people, uh, whether it was, hey, we're promoting spam because we had like affiliate, or at least I did, had affiliate links in descriptions of YouTube videos of like products I talked about or that were promoting dangerous and harmful content. Um, and yeah, I mean, while, while thanks, to, thanks to Vice and their, and their you know, diligent reporting probably had something to do with, with why we were reinstated on YouTube, um, just this trend and, and now seeing it happening on other platforms. And I didn't even really consider Vimeo like a very big platform, but I also don't engage with it that much. Um, but, but yeah, regarding your point about, about coming together. So like we have our own platforms, right. With which would be our websites. Like we're not playing on someone else's playground, right? Like we, you have limitlessmindset.com, I believe. Um, and, uh, I have stevecronin.com. Um, but I have also seen you on these different kind of like blockchain based alternatives and by the very nature of them being blockchain based, it is, um, a, like not possible to, depending on which one you use, not possible to delete content at the very worst. It can be, it could be hidden or, or lowered in, in searches, but that would, that would come from a community effort, not some kind of like cir small circle of arbiters who are deciding like what's allowed or what's not, or automated systems that are deciding that. And um, I'm really curious to know through your use and, and research, um, what, what are some of your favorite um, kind of like alternatives to a YouTube or to a Vimeo that you have been using, uh, whether blockchain based or not? I think minds.com is really the king of the alt tech sites at this point because they have a, a video platform. They have their own native video platform that works pretty good. Not, not quite as good as YouTube. It's not gonna probably uh, addict you to video binging the way that YouTube does. And they have, they have really nice discussion engine going on there. I've got a biohacker group there that has 
about 600 members and we're starting to get like some some real nice discussion going on in that group and the nice thing about mind is that it is it, it is not it, involved at all with this advertising model. And some very thoughtful people are observing keenly that the advertising model that so much of the internet relies upon is really probably what's at the core of all of this, of this kind of a intellectual authoritarianism that <laughs> you hear so many people complaining about nowadays. And when the, when the clicks and when appeasement of advertisers is not the fundamental driving ethos behind a platform, there's just going to be a more of a flowering of ideas going on there. Yeah, and, and I guess that is one of the theories for, for censorship is, is that if, if advertisers don't approve of content and that's how that platform's making money, then that's what the experience is going to be tailored to. Um, right, so I pulled you up on Minds, uh, minds.com slash jroseland. I, um, yeah, I, I, it's funny. So this was, this was co-founded by a, a YouTuber named Ian Crossland. Have you, have you seen any of his videos ever? No, actually, I didn't know that. I have talked with the, I've talked with the co-founder that appeared on the Joe Rogan experience not that long ago, okay, but I don't yeah, know Joe, was, I don't know yeah. Ethan. That was not, that was not Ian. And, um, and I haven't seen that, that episode of Joe Rogan, but yeah. So, so, so Ian, uh, I mean, when I looked into this maybe about four years ago or so, I mean, I only found out about it because I've been following Ian Crossland's YouTube channel for like 10 years or something. And I, I did a couple of like collabs with him, totally non-biohacking related. This was a long time ago. Um, and, and at first when I looked into it, um, back then, it, from my understanding is that it was not blockchain based and it seemed to be kind of like a Facebook clone, but the way you're describing it now, it seems uh, to be to have, to have more features and does it have a YouTube like uh, uh, atmosphere where you can upload videos and have a stream and, and people comment and chat and there's no advertisements and, and how does the, how does it work as an app sitting on a blockchain or is it, is it not that? It's not 100% running on a blockchain, which it, I, I've messed around with Steemit as well and its uh, analog video platform, DTube. And the, the blockchain, the stuff that's just based upon a blockchain is pretty clunky at this point. It really feels like you've been transported back to 1999 on, on that sort of thing. And so, with minds.com they have a what i like about them is they have a really strong free speech ethos and then their system is based around a proprietary cryptocurrency that runs on the ethereum network so that you can so that people can tip tip creators if if they like which of course opens up you know opportunities for micro entrepreneurship for creators to start getting paid for a natural meritocracy to arise out of the content which is which is great i've been getting getting tips on there which is first time it happened it was really exciting i've been tipping people on there in their cryptocurrency so i think that's going to be hopefully i'm hoping that that's going to be like kind of the way the whole internet works and like 10 years. 
Yeah, um, that would be fantastic. That would be a dream come true. And and yeah, I mean, I, I use Steam it regularly as well, and uh, and DTube among other among other kind of like YouTube clones on the blockchain. And um, yeah, the the developers that are actually deploying apps on on these different uh, blockchain platforms, um, I imagine they don't have a terrible amounts of funding behind them and, and and which is why they they look so old and then and then of course a lot of the networks depending on which platform you use whether it's steemen or, or eos or something some of them can be incredibly incredibly slow but um it's kind of like a trailblazing thing and and and, and so for now it seems like minds.com i do i have an account on here and, and and i'll look into it uh look into it more and start using it but um yeah certainly for for everyone listening and watching us now um i'm i mean i'm even like even just getting like the guts to like start posting on YouTube again, there's still parts of me that are like, oh, I'm gonna be like so terribly like sad if 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 I'm like completely wiped out again, like uh, like like just happened with you with uh, Vimeo. Um, okay, so yeah, so yeah, this, is, this is where this is where stoicism is crucial. You need to. You need to emotionally explore and delve deeply into the possibility of your whole YouTube channel, just be blown away and then just get emotionally comfortable with that. And then, then venture back out there because it, it may be in the cards. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. I haven't, you know, I haven't, I haven't read much about stoicism. I've, I've heard like some, some brief commentary on it from like Tim Ferriss and whatnot. Um, what, what, I, what I really discovered was that I had so much of my identity wrapped up in, in, in that work. And I think a lot of, I mean, people identify with stuff, with their work all the time. People identify with their names, with their, with their body, the clothes they wear, their job. They, you know, someone says, I am, and they'll probably like tell you what they do for work or something. Um, and so when that, when that disappeared, it, it felt like, you know, part of my identity disappeared. So, so maybe, maybe... Uh, that was kind of an unhealthy attachment, an unhealthy way to approach it. So I'll definitely, definitely look into, into that more stoicism. Sure. And the, 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 the kind of evil thing about all that is that that, uh, that ego connection that you had to your YouTube channel, that is something that is engineered. That is something that is by design in the way that they've created the YouTube platform. And then it's something that they can just rip away from you at any point. It's like if there was a, an artist that was creating beautiful paintings or something like that, and then someone just showed up and torched all their, all their paintings. That's, that's, that's kind of what, what went on and your reaction is mm -hmm. totally understandable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot, I mean, a lot's happened since we chatted last other, other than the, the Vimeo incident. Um, but you've gotten married, I've seen. And so congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. And I, I, I'll, I'll mention there's probably, pe there's probably people that are, that are listening to this. And I, I should mention that uh, nothing has made me happier than being married. And I'm a... I'm a quintessential life hacker and I have, I have done everything under the sun to experiment with different ways of optimizing my happiness. And I had even at different points in my life felt like happiness was a, a really, was a real pipe dream that it was a, not, not something worth pursuing, but nothing, nothing has made me happy 
like being like being married. So it's it's something for people to consider if they've if they've read it off or if they are uh, people that are doing uh, that that are finding fulfillment in uh, promiscuity. And I'll admit I was one of these those people that found a lot of fulfillment in promiscuity in my life, but I found much more in in being married. So I recommend it. And there's my wife. And there you have it. There you have it. <laughs> Um, and you've, and you, and you've also, and you've also released, uh, or written and published this book, uh, how to be, how to be cross-eyed, which I'll get to the, get to the book in a moment. And, and, and you, and you wrote about this a little bit, but I want to talk about very, very first, just the title in two ways. And, 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 in first, um, how to be cross-eyed in, in, in the introduction, you, you go in a little bit as to, to, to why you titled it that, but also I'm curious in terms of like, from an SEO perspective, right? Like, like what? What what are you what are you attempting to communicate that title to if someone's like browsing Amazon and sees that book? But I'm really curious about the motivations behind the behind the title. Um, and 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 would love to even though I read about it a little bit in the text, I would I really would like to hear it from you as well. Yeah. So the title was not an SEO title, really. Okay. Although there in the subtitle. I have thriving despite your physical imperfection. And there's a lot of people out there in the world with physical imperfections. It might have been something that they're born with, or it might have been something that they developed over time, or it might just be something that they that they struggle with. And that was I was trying to reach out to that group of people because there's a lot of uh, good mainstream personal development, personal growth type content, but a lot of it doesn't apply real real squarely to people that do have a conspicuous physical imperfection. And when you have a physical, glaring physical feature that, that really sticks out at people, the advice that you often hear from people that don't have a similar issue is that you should just ignore it, that you should just be self-confident, just pretend that you don't have this glaring feature. And I've, I found that that is kind of a irrelevant, I, I found that not very helpful. And so I wanted to write a book on thriving uh, that was specifically for, uh, for that group of people. However, I, I chose the title because I did want to write a memoir. I, I'm of the mind that I think that the most interesting books are books where they kind of have where they kind of have three different elements in the content, which is first of all, they'll present some type of theory or they'll present some types of abstraction, some type of idea. And then they'll present some data along with it. They'll uh, reference to some study, some sort of statistical point that uh, makes that, that theory, that idea a bit more concrete. And then they'll have some stories that go along with it that emotionally drive the point home. And I think that's really the best format in books for uh, maximum utility and comprehension by the audience. And I've enjoyed a lot of memoirs in my life. And I thought that titling it something kind of silly would capture that because I am probably uh, one of the most uh, upfront, most conspicuous cross-eyed people on the internet. I've looked, I've looked for another one and <laughs> it seemed to be 
they seem to be hiding. So I thought that would kind of be a, a witty title, but it is not, it is not really an SEO title. Yeah. When, when, so, so when you reach out to me and, and, and tell me uh, about your book, um, in my head, just, just, you know, uh, preconceptually from, from, you know, watching your content over the years, I'm thinking, oh, okay, like this is probably a book about like nootropics and biohacking. And, um, I got to say, like, I was, I mean, I mean, and that, that, that's true that, that those elements are there, but the, the, like the range of topics you cover, um, in, in all areas of, of self-improvement, whether it's how to be more social and, 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 and a lot of these, these things or how to network with people or, and a lot of these things like don't even, uh, don't even have nootropics, you know, attached to them. Um, and I was really impressed uh, how your personal story came through. And I felt like I learned, I learned a lot more about you um, uh, by reading that book than, than consuming your content uh, on video. And I also love the point that you, that you made about you know, the reasoning for, 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 for why writing a book um, um, it, to, to, to kind of com combat this, this like ever-growing and persistent uh, video digital distraction world. I mean, like just because YouTube even in 2019 is, is, is way more uh, uh, just in your face and, and rapidly brainwashing than, than uh, it was even five years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So, so I, I mean, I really, what coming from actually, so I'm, I wanna, before I go into to, to, to why you wrote the book, um, sure. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for reading it also. Yeah, oh, thanks absolutely. for no, taking no, no, the time no. to check it out. Yeah. Um, I, I just happened to, to, to enjoy reading. So, so uh, it wasn't, uh, it was a pleasure. Um, but before I get there, I, I want to go back to, there's a point you made in the very beginning was within the first few pages um, uh, about how if, you know, using everyone, everyone is different. I mean, despite kind of like the equality chatter that's, that's happening and, and you and I might have different opinions on this and that's totally fine. Like I'm very open to, to having conversation and us, us you know, disagreeing to, together. Um, uh, but despite all the equality chatter that happens, like people have differences. And, and I, I, I really enjoyed um, the point you made about how if when you discover a difference about yourself, whatever it is that makes you weird and unique and as an individual, like, like you said earlier, not ignoring it, but embracing it and using it to your advantage and, and, and helping uh, uh, you, you grow because of it. Um, I guess A, is my, is my interpretation of, of what you wrote somewhat correct? And, and B, um, how, how can, can, can people, um, how can people acknowledge these differences and, and, and use them to grow, especially within, within a society where, where it seems like uh, differences are, 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 are somewhat being ignored? Okay, so yeah, first, first point is it's, it's, if you're a person who has a conspicuous physical imperfection and you know, people, they might just see me on YouTube or maybe they see me right now and they say, you know, hey, that Jonathan, he's actually kind of a good looking guy. He's, he's fairly, looks kind of energetic and looks like he's got some style and swagger and gravitas. It really doesn't seem like he has a whole lot that is holding and him mojo. back. Yes, my wife thinks I have mojo. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and the, the the important thing to understand is is that if if you're dealing with a, a physical imperfection it's something that you do re- need to realize that it is going to hold you back it's it's not something that you can kind of do a uh, manifestation thing in your mind and imagine that it's just going to go away because you because you decide to ignore it it is something that's going to hold uh, a person back from finding love from finding meaningful work from having a joyful thriving social life or sex life it is going to hold people back if they do not establish other really strong pillars of their identity if if they don't establish other things that they are really passionate about that shine through them if there's not other things about them that are more conspicuous than their physical imperfection that's going to be the thing that they're going to be judged based upon and it's going to limit them in all these different dimensions of life. There's been a couple of, of really good books that have been written about how, uh, how beautiful people are just at a tremendous advantage in life. And there was, uh, there was a really interesting book that was entitled, I believe, uh, Beautiful People Have More Daughters which is this interesting phenomena where there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a genetic trend towards really attractive people having more daughters because women reproduce at higher rates than men. Almost all women reproduce, at least uh, as far as in the history of our species, they certainly do. And so beautiful, so the genes, our genes have figured this out and beautiful people have more children. So if someone is struggling with some feature of theirs that uh, strikes them with a pang of self-loathing every time that they look in the mirror, I, 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 I urge them to really take the project of personal growth and of establishing other pillars of their identity really, really seriously because your physical imperfection, it will, it will hold you back if if you let it. And that's why it's really crucial to develop, uh, is to first of all, go really deep into this biohacking thing. Take the diet, the nootropics, the exercise, the mindfulness, the uh, eradicating your environment as much as possible from the toxins that are going to that are going to sap your mitochondrial energy and motivation to live life with gusto. Take that biohacking thing really, really seriously, because you're going to need a lot more energy than the average person to take on this project of personal development so that you can live a, so that you can live a normal life. But with the, the, the trend to this is that once you get momentum going for you and honestly, when you, and Steve, you know this, cause you've struggled with, you've struggled with, uh, all, all sorts of things. Uh, but once you get some momentum going for you with your personal growth stuff, with your health stuff, what you do is you reach kind of that point of normality where you are as productive, as focused, as generally socially active as a quote unquote normal person is in life. And then at that point, it's 
it's quite easy to keep that path of momentum going to where you can have a really, uh, a really beautiful, a really uh, joyful life ahead of you. But I, I do want to be as frank as possible that people with physical imperfections, they do need to take them seriously because you will end up just a sad, lonely person if you let them be the main defining thing in your life. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as you write, uh, you say the truth is that your physical imperfection will make things more, more difficult for you. Um, I, uh, I don't, so I have this, uh, I have this scar on my face right here. It's not oh, whoa. entirely visible um, unless I point it out to people. But what used what it used to be was this huge birthmark, like the size of a half dollar, right uh -huh. on the And um, uh, yeah, like I got it, I got it, you know, removed and got the scar in its place uh, when I was in high school. Um, but yeah, I mean, e even even though I was a kid, you know, I was a teenager, and 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 you know, taking 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 personal growth seriously as a teenager can 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 kind of be difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it definitely, I did have an experience of it being all consuming. Like I can't do X, Y, and Z. And there's so many things I cannot do and I can't function in this way, or I can't talk to people in this manner because of this specific imperfection. Right. And so, and so, I mean, my, <laughs> my way out as a teenager was to, to get the scar instead. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I was really, why I'm spending so much time talking about this part of your of your book because I was really I was really pleased to see um, see you acknowledge acknowledge uh, imperfections in people and then also how uh, specifically physical ones uh, relate to um, that section that you call social commentary where where we we have a bunch of different groups that are considered to be by many uh, less you know disadvantaged and needed. Mm -hmm. Or are, are victimized in some way, and um, and and what I really got from that is e e even though even though you were you were focusing on on physical imperfections, I mean, I mean there are there are so many there are so many uh, differences and, and, and imperfect uh, things people hold that that can 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 really set them back and and, and consume their life, um, especially especially if they happen to fall into this victim mentality like 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 I did when I was in high school um, which seems to be in my from my perspective at least seems to be kind of like the running narrative in mainstream media right and so that's why I really enjoyed right off the bat in in the first couple chapters of your book when when you were like don't do that like don't let it consume you like you can mm -hmm. take control of this mm -hmm. I the other day I was thinking I was listening to some history podcast and I was thinking about how in, in the past at many different points in history, if you were kind of like an ambitious guy, if you were a guy that like really wanted to get ahead in life and be a, be a successful guy, your best bet was to organize like a bunch of your buddies and then like go over the next hill and go and like raid their town and go and kill all their men and steal all their women and steal all their stuff and burn things down. And like that, that was the way that you could like bring, that you could bring yourself up in the world, that you could improve your fortunes in the world. And that was 
for, for many, many men throughout history that had a, an urging to, to make something of themselves, like that uh, violence and aggression and, and uh, being predatory of your fellow man and the people in your outgroup, that was like your only option to really improve your lot in life. And now we live in this, in this amazing time, and hopefully it stays amazing, where we can, uh, where instead what we can do is we can focus on this personal growth thing and we can do meditation to master our thoughts and that will result in us being people that can be more focused on what's meaningful in life and that we can, yeah, that we can like, that we have this very, very, uh, that we have this very enjoyable path that we can, well, it, it is a tough path, the personal development that's legitimate. It is, it is tough and it is arduous, but I was thinking, God, it's, it's nice that I can, that if I want to make my life better, what I can do is uh, focus on my health, focus on my intellectual development, my skill set development, my uh, mindfulness. But if I, if I lived like a thousand years ago, I would have to like go and pick up a sword and go and go, you know, go, go full Viking on the next, right. on the, on the next village over to actually make my, to, to, to acquire some material success. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, spiral dynamics, um, but it, it, that, that kind of, uh, developmental model kind of tracks uh, mm. tracks the psyche of, of 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 a human being over over the as far back as history as we can know it. And yeah, certainly. I mean, I mean, uh, 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 thousands of years ago, people did not have access to to uh, the 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 rational prefrontal cortex part of our brains that really is what gave birth to the Enlightenment period. So so yeah, I mean, I. I am also hopeful of, of, of not just current opportunities increasing, but, but even, even further things for, for, for those who live beyond us that, that perhaps we can't even comprehend right now. Or mm -hmm. think of. Um, okay. So, so yeah, I, I want to know, uh, I want to know your motivations for, for writing the book. Um, I, so I've been following your YouTube channel for many, many years um and and watching your content most of most of what i have seen especially the first couple of years was centered around around nootropics um and and uh your your website and your blog um and uh you i have not listened to your podcast but i see the link to your podcast on your website so you have these kind of like three things going on maybe more you can let me know if, I, if i'm missing anything um you have a pretty awesome interactive uh, mailing list that, uh, that, I, that I've engaged with from, from time to time, mm -hmm. mostly to try to get ideas and tips, tips for my own. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm curious about, about, was the motivation to write a book, was it, was it, was it monetary based? I mean, was just, it just trying to make cash, man. Just, just trying to make that, make them dollars. <laughs> no. Right, right. So, one of the big things that motivated me was another book that I read that was called The Shallows. Have you ever read this? No. Okay, you may have heard, you, well, you've heard of it. You heard of it, of course, in my book. I'm pulling this up right now to get a, to get a. Sure. So the, the Shallows subtitled, What the oh, Internet. Oh, the Internet's Into Our Brains. Yep, yep, yep. 
Yeah. And it explains how the internet is really uh, trashing our powers of higher cognition and the, the, the kinds of minds that have developed over, I'm not going to say the, I'm not going to say the mind that has evolved over the past 200,000 years, but more so the, the human mind that has evolved over the past about thousand years. The internet is like knocking, knocking our minds back to about the year uh, 800 AD or so, because what, what the internet does is it cuts our attention span down quite a bit because you have uh, YouTube videos that are on average, I think about uh, 15 minutes, um, although a lot of them are a whole lot shorter than that. You have, uh, take for example, even like Instagram, which is this really growing in popularity app that everybody, that everybody is on. You walk into a, a cafe and you walk by young people on their smartphones and they're all scrolling up and down on Instagram. And it's just the worst thing for our working memory because you'll have a, an image, a, a little image that appears on Instagram of something fabulous or a beautiful woman or a shiny car or whatever. And people just look at it for about half a second and then they continue scrolling on down to the next thing. And this is really affecting this is really affecting our, our minds and our capacity to focus on what is meaningful and to, what it's especially affecting is what's called the reconsolidation of memory. So uh, this book educated me some on the way that memory works. Memory is a really fascinating thing. You're probably aware that we have this short-term memory and then our short-term memory gets transferred back into our long-term memory while we are while we are sleeping. That's you know why you want to get a good night's sleep after you have uh, learned something meaningful. But what a lot of people don't understand is that your, your long-term memories, what happens is when you bring, when you need those long-term memories, like let's say you have a, a web development skill set that you learned a year ago, and then you need to apply that web development skill set to work on something, or maybe you have a foreign language that you learned back in high school, and then you travel to that country, and you want to, and you want to use that foreign language, that that piece of semantic information, it comes back into your working memory. And then it needs to be reconsolidated back into your long-term memory. So it's, it's really pretty fascinating because a lot of times we, we think of our memory in kind of the same way that computer memory works, where if you, you have a file and you save it on your hard drive and then you can go back to that file whenever you want and it's the same as it was whenever you saved it there in the first place. And our long-term memory really doesn't work that way. Our long-term memory gets up, gets colored and it gets and it is qualitatively affected by the state of our working memory. And so I was thinking, uh, so I was reading this book, and as I was reading this book, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I am part of the problem here, because the main way that I am educating people is via all these, is, is via technology. It's via uh, YouTube videos, tweets, 
blog articles and I even, you know, I even use uh, Instagram stories and YouTube stories now, which are even a shorter uh, attention span type of medium. And in this, in this book, he was talking about some studies that were done with HTML, with, the, with websites. And they were showing how on websites, the, when you read something on, your, on a website, your reading comprehension is much lower than if you read it in a book just because of the way, like you were saying that even the, even the way that links are underlined on websites and things like sidebars on websites and certainly uh, pop-ups or advertising on websites, all of these things are really detrimental to our comprehension of what we're actually trying to figure out. And so I thought, okay, you know, if I, if I really want to meaningfully impart something that might help people, what I should do is I should try to crystallize my best content, my articles that are the most interesting, that have synopsized uh, clinical research the best, and I should put those into a book so that they, so that people can have a, a, a bit of that, um, a bit of that romance with me that you have with an author when you read their book, when you're able to truly, you know, reading is a, a cool thing because it allows you to get inside of the head of another person and to think their thoughts. Because when you're reading, you, you are supposed to be focused 100% on the reading. You're not, you're not supposed to be watching television in the background when you're reading or whatever, and most people don't. And so I, yeah, my primary motivation was really that book, The Shallows. And people, people might want to read that because it is, it is kind of horrifying what the internet is doing to our brains. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I caught myself, I mean, I was horrified when this happened, but I caught myself sitting on my couch in my apartment and watching like Netflix or television or something for the purpose of just kind of chilling out and relaxing after I got home from work. Right. And then not, but two or three minutes into this episode, I think I was watching the office or something. I pulled out my phone and started scrolling through a Twitter feed. So I'm like, even, even when I'm like trying to relax and enjoy, enjoy myself and focus on some kind of entertainment, even then I'm like, like conditioned to distract myself and, and like, and not, not and that in this behavior, like just becomes like unconscious in a way. Cause I didn't even realize I was doing it until, until like I watched like two episodes of this television show. Um, so, and, and, I have also felt like, because I am severely, severely annoyed with how, with how navigating the internet has become when trying to find information. I mean, I think it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Um, a, a, a free internet with access to, to anything, anything you want to know. And especially thinking of, you know, thousands of years ago where, if, you know, people grew up, uh, in, you know, with a certain type of culture and maybe they're learning how to be a samurai or something like they're only going to know their, their culture, their society, their faith, their religion, their way of doing things. And that's it. And, 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 and now we can pretty much have access to, to, to any, anything we want, but getting that information is so hard and you have to go through so much bullshit to get it. Um, and, and I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Even, even, even a well-designed website that doesn't have 
all these flashing annoying pop-ups or clicking a button every time you want to get a next bit of information even like a what would now be considered a minimalist website still has all these bars and extra layers of info that are are there for you to glance around at while you're trying to read and i also wonder if reading and this is just a kind of a, a spontaneous thought i also wonder if reading from a screen um because of the lighting has anything to do with lessening comprehension as well but it's just more of a, a suspicion uh I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read that or heard that before. Or have anything to, to to back that up? Yeah, I'm not aware of any studies where they did reading on a device versus reading books and uh, noted noted a difference. My my suspicion would be that for probably the majority of people, they would probably get a better reading comprehension reading with a book just because their inclination when they're using a smartphone or a tablet to read a book like on their kindle their inclination might be to check other apps or to be like oh i just got a text message and then to check that and then you're distracted from what you're reading of course that could be easily avoided by just putting your device into uh, airplane mode and then you won't be so distracted i do almost all of my reading on a on a uh, on a tablet now with uh, the kindle app and i think my reading comprehension is as good as it has ever been with normal books but that might also be because i've done a lot of meditation and a lot of brain training in my life so i think my i think my focus as it is 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 pretty good but most people should probably put their devices in airplane mode when they're gonna read something that they really want to comprehend yeah and i i have the kindle that is not because they have they have a kindle that is a is a essentially a tablet but i have the kindle uh, I, I think it's called the Paperwhite or something. So it has the like the e-ink text, um, mm -hmm. and it's very slow, and it it has like shit web browsing. Like you see frames like come down. Yeah, right. Like you literally cannot use it for anything else but to read. And if you try to go to a website with this in black and white, it, it's you're expecting like a fifty second load time. So in terms of reading on a screen, like and focusing on something, uh, that particular uh, model of a Kindle has, has been has been really good for me. Yeah, I love it. Um, so I'm, I know we've we've been chatting for 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 a while, and and if there's a time constraint, uh, let me know because I, I I do want to do deep dives into things, but I also there are also topics that I want to I want to cover. So, um, but but one of these optional topics is I'm I'm curious about have you ever written a book before? Um, how long did this take you? What was your process like? You you mentioned that you were kind of like consolidating information that you have written via <laughs> blog posts or made videos about. Um, I definitely appreciated um, at the end your your links to sources and stuff, which is which is fantastic. A lot. Of, I mean, I should do that more in my videos and my content, and I, and I, re I really appreciate that. Um, and and do you have any recommendation after that? Do you have any recommendations for people who who uh, would want to take uh, this challenge on? Because I imagine, I mean, you 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 didn't write like a like a, a thirty page like you know ebook guide how how to i mean you wrote a full-length book and, and and i imagine that's 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 quite an endeavor 
Yeah, it's 540 pages is what Amazon told me. Although I have a lot of pictures in there and I think pictures take up, take up pages. So I'm not sure if it's, if it's quite as many words as your average 500 page book is. And it is my first book that I've written. And it was, it was quite time consuming to do, probably took about six months of working part time on because uh, what I was doing was I had, I was looking through my website and I was looking at the articles that I had written, uh, some of which were, some of which were popular articles or just articles that I thought were real meaningful that I wanted to enshrine in something a bit more concrete than, uh, than on cyberspace. And I had to go through and refine those articles quite a bit. And there, and, and I have in the past, I've been a, a subpar blogger. I've been a blogger that was just like drinking way too much coffee and writing way too fast and not being as thorough as I should be with my grammar or my fact checking. Hey so we got a Buzzfeed right now. So, <laughs> oh God, I've, I've not even ever visited that website. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard enough. Um, so about, about 50% of the book was, was uh, capturing the best content that I have on LimitlessMindset.com, which is about, uh, I have about 500 articles on that website. So I picked what I thought were the most meaningful ones. I picked some of the articles that people had uh, responded to and that people had uh, contacted me privately, told me were helpful. And then about 50% of the book was, was totally fresh, new content. A lot of that was my, my storytelling of delving into the past of my adventures of Columbia, of my uh, hanging out with spies in Kiev. That sort of content is totally fresh. That, is, that content I don't have uh, elsewhere uh, on, my, on my website. What was your, what was was there, were, I mean, six months seems like really, really quick amount of time, at least to me, to, to, to accomplish that. Um, what was your, your biggest struggle or your hang up or w were there moments when you, where you felt like you, you weren't going to be able to finish it? Or um, if, if, if you didn't have any of those moments, uh, what, was, what was your biggest struggle in, 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 in getting that done? Well, I guess I'm fortunate because my full-time job is writing and researching life hacking, biohacking stuff, and and really anything else that I find that I find interesting. I uh, have chosen to live here in Bulgaria, on the edge of Europe, where the cost of living is really low, but the quality of living, the quality of life is really very high, and so it puts me in an advantageous position where I can where I can focus my time on the things that I'm really, that I'm really curious about. And I'm not, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not really, I, I'm not really driven by being like, Oh, I got to close the next deal. I gotta, you know, I gotta, uh, go and check in with, uh, with, with, with someone who's uh, calling me, uh, with, with 10,000 different things that they need done. So I, I would say that the, uh, lifestyle is the thing that's probably most conducive to, being able to uh, get a project like this completed. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I've 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 started and not completed so many projects 
because I do not do my, like everything, everything with my YouTube and my blogging uh, is all, you know, hobby stuff. And, and, and I have, you know, I do have a full-time job in, in, in cloud computing. So um, that makes a lot of sense. I would love to be able to dedicate like eight hours a day to, to doing what you do. So, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a really, a really good goal. And, and, and I mean, even for, for, for anyone watching or listening uh, who, who might have a day job like me and want to venture into that area of being kind of self-sufficient um, and doing what you love um, is something that, that sounds amazing, even though maybe not for everyone, but for me, there does seem to be, you know, a little, a little fear around that. Um, just because, just because, you know, going to school and getting a degree and then having a job just seems to be like, it's so like, like, like propagated as in like, this is how things should be that, um, that breaking away from that is, can be, can be a little nerve wracking at least for me. Yeah. What, what I would suggest, so you, you have like some book ideas in mind of something you might like to write. Um, not, not books, uh, in, in, in particular, but I, I mean, I, so like I, I recently got back from the, from a, a, a biohacking conference in Austin. Um, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was great. It was like, a, it was a three day event. It was, um, it, it was a little smaller than, than, than others I've been to. Um, it had maybe about a hundred, 150 attendees. Um, and what I went there like as press and with the intention of kind of making a docu-series really. Um, and so I, I mean, I, I interviewed people, I talked to people, I shot a bunch of B-roll and, and I've, I've been wanting to, for a long time, like, be able to have the time to spend on, on not just making YouTube videos where it's just like my face and I'm a talking head. Right. Um, but, 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 but making like many, many docu-series of, of these issues, um, to, to really bring like more of the storytelling into, into someone learning and, and communicating that information and less of like, of me being like a personality face on a screen. That's just shouting, you know, words like <laughs> at you or something, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, man, P P uh, Modafinil. I think right. Modafinil, Modafinil can <laughs> just, uh, just gotta stay up, pull, pull all-nighters and do Modafinil in the morning. You're gonna have to, because you, you are in a challenging position where you have uh, a, what, seem, what sounds like a pretty important day job to mm -hmm. me that occupies a lot of your time and energy uh, but at the same time it's I mean it's it's honestly it's not that good of an excuse for being uh, distracted from taking on really big projects because you do have all the tools for really high quality focus and creativity at your at, at, at your disposal so I, I hope that you'll uh, put together uh, what you feel is a really grand uh, magnus opus of a creative project that is uh that can be a, a pillar of what you have to offer the world yeah well i'm 31 now so it, now is exactly the time to do that and and mm -hmm. you're right that is that is that it's a terrible excuse and 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 another reason why it's 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 not even a real good excuse is because is because this is just like a fabricated like image that I have in my head that I created for myself to block myself. Uh, it's, it's really nothing more than that, at least from what I can tell. So. Mm -hmm. um, at, at the conference, can you uh, 
drop drop a little knowledge on us. What was what was something? What what were some things that you learned at the conference that that surprised you? I think I think so. I mean, there was there was your standard talks and people talk, you know, with the nootropics and and whatnot. But but something that really did surprise me and I did learn a lot about was this idea of enhancing human perception and and you know we 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 think of you know we we're human beings we think of ourselves as having five senses which is probably true right and um there are other there are other living things like bats or 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 or, or dolphins or, or 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 different creatures that that perceive the world in different ways like like uh with something akin to sonar right um, so there's definitely ways of perceiving the world that 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 humans uh, don't either don't have or or haven't been kind of trained to do, um, and 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 just even thinking about like whether 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 you're looking at data on on a screen or getting data from the environment around you in nature or even with critical thinking, uh, I mean all all of that sensory information of the world is is filtered through is filtered through these these kind of like five. Uh, 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 senses that that come in through perceptions, and then those perceptions are are just incredibly unique to every individual. Like like based on how what you know what language they speak or their culture and how they grew up, and and you know it really really a unique unique perspective. Um, and this guy gave a talk about so the speaker was blind. He gave a talk about echolocation and made a a, a very compelling argument that through rigorous training. Um, that most most people who are are like either a hundred percent or near one hundred percent blind have have this opportunity uh, uh, via via very via various different uh, amounts of funding to do um, you know to 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 walk around with with their I don't I forget what the device is called but to walk around with their uh, what resembles a cane or a stick and and tap to get information about the environment around them by hearing it so they can. Start begin to see through uh, through through hearing. Um, the only way I know how to do that is to like take psilocybin or something. Then you know, then I'll be able to 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 see by by hearing music or something. Um, and and he made a compelling argument that you know you 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 don't have to be blind to take this endeavor on. Like you, someone someone who has all their all their senses working uh, can 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 develop a, a, another way of perceiving the world. And and. And and while I'm not you know inspired to to learn how to uh, see, perceive my environment with you know with with sound right and 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 not only and, and see with sound and not only see with my eyes. Um, it, I don't I don't really see the practical uh, utility <laughs> in right, that right. superpower. But what this but what this talk did get me curious about are are just the you know the various ways in which in which. Um, perhaps our perceptions can be can be increased, and and maybe um, it's possible that uh, we are not as as limited in our information gathering and, and data gathering around the world as we might think we are. And you know, you know, with biohacking, we we talk a lot about. I mean, I have used, and and I and I I I'm, I. I I believe you have also used like words akin to like superhuman or something right like that, right? And um, and and this 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 would fall right into that category. I mean, this is this is kind of like imagine someone who who was able to like gain you know fifty percent more data 
from all five of their senses and then maybe like three other senses that they were that they developed that no one else has i mean this person would be like a walking superhero right um mm -hmm. and so it, it that that was something very surprising to me it definitely fits in with the realm of biohacking but is is very divorced from drug use or nootropic use or um or uh you know uh, uh, you know, electric stimulation devices or biofeedback or anything you would find in the quantitative self movement. Um, and so it's, it's definitely, it's definitely an area that I'm, I, I, I only started to explore the echolocation, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find if there's any legitimate sources out there for, for other things as well, to find something that would be practical for someone like me or, or, or even people, you know, our audience. So that was the most surprising and interesting thing that, that, that and do you recall that guy's name? Um, I don't, um, but I can grab it. If you want to, here, here's, let's, let's do this. So I really, in, in your book, you talked about genetics and predetermination. And I want to hear more about that. So if you want to spiel for about a minute, I'll grab his name from the, from the website. Lovely. Yeah. So within uh, anyone who's knows much about philosophy is well aware of this uh, debate between free will and predetermination. And when we, uh, when scientists look at the universe and the world around us, whether it is predicting where Mars is going to be in six months, whether it's predicting where this flock of birds is gonna spend the winter time, whether it's predicting if a cancer growth is going to gestate, we have, the, we have these very, very predictable models. And there seems to be a, there seems to be a, a scalability of that predictability that goes down pretty deep, perhaps even down to the, the quantum level where things seem to become very, very random. But then within our, with, within this, this world that is ruckus, but seems to have a lot of predictability and a lot of mathematical probabilities that are, that are driving the ruckusness, then we have us. And from the interiors of our own minds, it all seems like we have quite a bit of free will. You know, every single day we will debate back and forth the pluses and the minuses of our decisions in life. Like when I decided to get married, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be like one of these people that gets married like really impulsively or just gets married just because of the, just because I'm in love, although I am in love, I, I, I want to be someone that like, I want to be like the most uh, rational <laughs> married guy ever. I want to like make this decision the same way that a person who is buying a stock makes the decision to buy a stock. Right. And so I and so I, I got I weighed the pluses and the and the minuses very meticulously of that decision, Just the same way that anyone listening to this has weighed the has weighed the different uh, the different diverging paths in the wood that appear in front of them. 
So from, from the interior of our, of our own minds, it seems, like we, it seems like we do have quite a bit of free will, right? Even though uh, a lot of the emerging neuroscience is starting to say, no, we probably actually don't have that much free will. It's just a, it's, it's just a very convincing manifestation of these, uh, of these rather materialistic and dry things that are going on. And I'm not sure if I completely believe that yet. I remain, uh, I remain non-dogmatic on this issue. But um, what, we, what we also see is that we see that we have, uh, we have these genes and that our genes really do define a whole lot of the way that our life is going to go. Our genes define, uh, of course, the, all the obvious things like how tall we're going to be, um, our likelihood of getting heart disease, our likelihood of, uh, of getting into college. Um, th but they also can define things like our, our criminality. They can define our political leanings. Even there's been some of these documentaries where they got where they had identical twins. Oh yeah, and then, three identical and they, strangers. I watched that the other week. Oh, really? Awesome. Okay, yeah. Let's uh, maybe we can link to that in the show notes uh, of this uh, of this of these YouTube videos of whichever YouTube video this goes on. And so they'll have these identical twins, and they will be separated at birth, and then they will reunite. And a lot of times they'll be like two guys or two gals that are that like look uh they look almost the same but a lot of times their style and the clothing they're wearing and uh i had even heard someplace that there was identical twins that were choosing spouses that had the same names and so when you see that you say to yourself wow like maybe maybe we really don't have that much free will maybe it's really mostly our genes that are making these these decisions for us and I, I think that's probably probably most people don't have free will. It's probably a minority of people that are actually exercising their free will. And my contention is that em empowering your mitochondria is probably the is probably one of the best things that you can do to start becoming a, a high agency sort of person because when you're uh, we, we have so much in our in our environments that is uh, retarding our our mitochondria. Uh, there's there's so much room for improvement with our mitochondrial function that underlies all everything else we do in life, and it especially underlies our our minds. Uh, what is it that Dave Asprey said in Headstrong that it's the the highest concentration of mitochondria is number one in uh, the in, in a woman's cell, in a woman's eggs that will become a baby eventually, hopefully, that's the highest concentration. Then the number two concentration of mitochondria is in our eyes. And then number three is in, is in our brains. Our brains require an incredible amount of, of mitochondria. You know, our brains are, our brains are a rather small organ. They're a rather small pr proportional size of our body, but they take up at least 25% of our, of our energy. And so when your mitochondria is working, that gives you more of that cognitive empower that more of that cognitive power where you can really start to exercise uh, your own your own free will and that's why i yeah i i see uh i see free will to predetermination as being analogous to 
mitochondria and our genes. And there's um, there's even there's 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 even an interesting uh, theory on this that there's a paper by this guy named uh, Vladimir Skolachev, and he has this. Uh, he has the, he has a couple or he has a number of papers actually, and he has this theory about our genes actually having about our genes killing us that our genes are intentionally well i i'm not sure if you can say intentional because our genes aren't really conscious but that it is that that over billions of years of evolution it became advantageous to genes to get the old aged members of a population of a community out of there so that the so that the younger generations could innovate and procreate and utilize resources and he has a theory of aging where our genes are actually caught where our genes are actually causing some of the oxidative damage that ultimately ends up uh killing us and uh do you, if you don't mind me doing a product plug real quick while you're finding that web page this is a this is a biohack that i've been that i've been getting into recently is this stuff and you can see it looks suspiciously like eye drops mm -hmm. and that's because it is eye drops uh, these are scolach these are uh, mitochondrial eye drops and that doesn't that doesn't mean that they put more mitochondria in your eyes that would be I'm, I'm curious about that as well but what this does is it introduces this mole it introduces this molecule called the Skolachev molecule and it's it's this molecule that it's kind of like uh, imagine a science fiction movie in space where there is a space freighter and there's there's like a space freight a spaceship that's transporting cargo from one planet to another and there's like a command module in front in the front end of the space freighter and then there's a bunch of cargo and what the scolach of ion is kind of like that where it has this uh, it, it's a magnetically charged molecule and then at the end of the molecule as the cargo it has a uh, pl plastiquinone the it, it has the mitochondrial antioxidant plastiquinone which is kind of analogous to coq10 if people haven't heard of a uh, uh, plas plastiquinone, also uh, called PQQ, yeah. and so what it and uh, people have, have of course hold, heard of CoQ10, and they're probably aware that CoQ10 it is it is an, uh, a a really uh, interesting supplement. It's a it's a supplement that probably most people should be taking, especially if you're over like 35 years old. You should probably be taking CoQ10, but the problem with it is that it's just not very bioavailable, and when you take it your mitochondria is absorbing it just via osmosis. Whereas this SKQ1 stuff, it, it is uh, magnetically attracted to the mitochondria. I'm not, I'm not an expert on magnetism, so I'm not sure exactly how that works, but that is the technology that they developed. And it's kind of a new thing. And at this point, they haven't really, they haven't developed any drugs for it that are, that are available that I'm aware of, but they have developed these eye drops that, that uh, mitigate the ox, the free radicals 
that are in your that are in your eyes. So it's so it's an interest. It's it's a, one of the things that's fascinating me right now. And I've got I, I designed uh, the most beautiful infographic I've ever created. You have a lot of great infographics. That was thank one you, of, one thank the, you. One of the first times I visited your website years ago. That was my first impression. I was like, man, this guy. A, this guy loves his infographics because he has so many of them. And B. Especially your your mind maps too. I was like, these are really really well done. Mm -hmm. Did did you create a self determination flowchart mind map for yourself, as I describe in the last chapter of my book? I have not taken any action. I finished your book today, so. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe maybe tomorrow tomorrow you'll get the self determination mind map done. I'll write that down in my. I'm taking notes for nice as, as, nice. Our, as our conversation proceeds. Great. Um, oh, I do have, do you have, are you showing, uh, are you showing an image or now? No, I'm not showing an image. Did you, did, did you, did you find that presentation on the, uh, echo location? Yeah. So, um, the, the guy's name is Brian Bushway and his website is brianbushway.com. Um, I, if there is a recording, uh, available of that particular talk, um, it's not, easily uh, findable uh, at the moment. Um, however, he just briefly looking at his website, brianbushway.com, um, all, all, all that information that was communicated seems, seems readily available there. So that is where, that is where to go. Yeah, let's, let's get him on a podcast. Oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he'd love to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I mean, I wanted to ask about the genetics and predetermination because I mean, and, and, and it's, it, it, it seems like, at least in my opinion, they have a pretty healthy perspective on it. Like, like you, that, that you're, you describe yourself as being non-dogmatic about it because it is, it is kind of this like, it is kind of this kind of like uh, push and pull kind of, kind of debate. But what, you know, one of, one of my, and, and maybe I'm a little too critical of, of folks um, who, who are kind of like fundamentalist in, 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 in science or even, even someone uh, like, like Dave Asprey, um, where, and, and I'm very open to, to being incorrect about this, um, but where my, where my issue comes in with, with genetics and biohacking um, is, is that at the end of the day, like these, like for example, you were saying gene mutations correlated to being like more likely to commit certain crimes or something. I mean, especially when you get into like a lot of this, a lot of this more vague and hard to measure territory. Um, I find it, my, my, my mind, it finds it really hard to take something seriously where um, there, there's just data to support a correlation between like a specific gene mutation and then, and then a certain um, outcome, either like physically with a person or something that affects like their behavior or something. Um, so for example, like I, um, the, the gen, I have a, I have a, a genetic mutation, uh, the marker it, it's, uh, if, if the axis, if anyone if bothers to look it up now, they're not that anyone would know this by name is HLA B27 is, is my genetic mutation and a significant number of people who have this, um, later on in life develop something called onclosing spondylitis, which is essentially a form of spinal arthritis, right? Ooh. It's uh, called autoimmune, not curable, etc. Um, and uh, but like a lot with 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 a lot of this genetic genetics work, like a lot of the causative uh, 
links are are just are just are just not there. And um, and and maybe maybe this maybe me saying this kind of reveals how maybe stubborn I can be with with my uh, with my the way that I do critical thinking. Um, but that does not mean to say that I don't think that this stuff should be looked at and and, and explored. And and yeah, I, I so 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 I'm I'm glad that even you brought up those eye drops because because genetic markers. I mean, genetics definitely has a place in biohacking. And at the end of the day, it could all be true anyway, right? So don't need someone like me just hammering down on everything, being like, these are only correlations. What are y'all doing? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that comes, comes through from the, my experiences, um, because as you alluded to earlier, like, yeah, when I was a teenager, I had Lyme disease for two years and was on a lot of pharmaceutical drugs, antibiotics and otherwise. And I think a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of this resistance and, and, and arrogance that's built up within me comes from, comes from, uh, you know, these claims of like, of like antidepressants as, as being a viable treatment for depression or something. And it's like, dude. Like, come on, first of all, like, the, like half of what we know or half of what we learn about neurotransmitters, like the whole lock and key thing, like half, um, most of that specifically is all theory, right? And, 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 and isn't actually measured in that way. And then secondly, like, we have no idea, like, like, like serotonin, taking, taking a pill to, that, that will help like in, increase serotonin in someone, like serotonin's responsible for a lot more than just feeling depressed. And like that kind of, you were bringing up earlier, like interior states, like interior states of mind, right? Like how, how, how was that even, even, even measured, right? The, that, that's an experience. Um, and so I think a lot of it comes from just like in my issues with, with, with pharmaceutical drugs and, and how like they're marketed as like, hey, like you can, there's a causal link between this pill and, and how the way you feel and you can take it and then it's gonna work. Um, as one of my little classic rants there. I usually do those on my own in solo videos and not when I'm working with other people. All, all good, brother. Let me show you something that I think you might want to consider Great. for your potential spinal, spinal arthritis because that sounds, that sounds unpleasant. Right. That sounds like something you should, you should do whatever, whatever you have to do to avoid that if it's a potential right. <laughs> at all. Uh, this stuff I've been researching lately, C C60. Okay. Do you know much about C60? Never heard of it. Ah, okay. So yeah, you can see it here. Mm -hmm. It is 60 carbon atoms that are arrayed in this symmetrical soccer ball kind of shape. They're, they are a buckyball. And so it, it's, it's a really interesting intervention because it, it, the, the downside, the downside is extremely minimal because it's just, it's just carbon and carbon is, the carbon is what we are consuming yeah. all day long. Right. Uh, carbon is what we are made up of. But C60 is a super antioxidant. It's a really powerful antioxidant. And I, I did a 4,000 word article on C60 and I've started using, I've started using it myself just this week because I just got a, a package of it and I don't have any real uh, strong nootropic effects to report from it yet. I think with me, I'm like such a healthy guy already that 
certain uh, certain biohacks are are not gonna are not gonna move the dial that much for me. But C60 has some real interesting research on its uh, neuros neuroskeletal on neuroskeletal diseases and okay. injury okay. and issues. It's it's especially helpful for people that deal with inflammation. And I, I believe arthritis is a manifestation of inflammation. Or, or, or is arthritis the immune system attacking itself? Or is it a little bit of both? The latter. My, my, yeah. If my memory, the last time I spoke to a physician about this potential on-closing spondylitis was like 10 years ago. Um, yeah, I, I believe it's autoimmune. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm seeing, I just Googled this, and I'm seeing a study here that says on PubMed, it's cited, 2009 study cited by 60 other articles. So that's not bad. And it says water-soluble fullerene C60 inhibits the development of arthritis in the rat model huh, of okay. arthritis. And I, I spent a lot of time surfing around longevity and uh, the, longevity is a deep, deep, deep rabbit hole of information, especially in regards to the C60 stuff. There was like literally probably thousands of threads of posts about C60 and longevity. And I ran into quite a few people saying that it helped, that it helped with arthritis. And then I watched almost all of the YouTube videos about C60, and there was quite a few, and there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of elderly, elderly folks talking about how it really made a difference in things like their, in their inflammation-related issues, and I remember arthritis being mentioned, uh, being mentioned quite a few times, so you, you might want to look into uh, C60, because almost, almost anything would be worth preventing spinal spinal arthritis. Alrighty. Well, yeah, I mean, I will, I will browse. Yeah. I, I, I haven't, I haven't looked at the longevity forums in a while. Um, I definitely just read there. I don't really post on there at all. Um, Howard is already banned from the nootropic subreddit. So, so nice. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really dialogue uh, too much, but I'll read through there. And, and this sounds, I mean, coming, coming from, I, I know the people that post on there are very serious and, 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 and they, they, they have good heads on their shoulders. So this sounds something um, at, at, on surface value, right? It sounds like, like woo woo, snake oil, like BS type stuff. Um, but it's but olive I would oil, imagine, actually. I'm sorry? It's olive oil, actually. Right, right. <laughs> um, but I would I would imagine uh, uh, the conversations uh, to be found on on those forums are are are, are pretty good, um, and it's certainly a lot better than than listening to to an Alex Jones advertisement about his bio PQQ product that will that will cure your arthritis. So, um, <laughs> which which absolutely and like I, it is not an exaggeration. Like that 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 is something that that I heard many times. Oh oh Alex oh Alex. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, I, 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 so I really liked your graphic. Um, you titled it the sweet spot of your motivated capabilities, um, identifying or, uh, like the overlap between you had intrinsic and extra, extrinsic motivations, strengths, weaknesses. Um, 
and 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 then and then and flow being being found in in overlap of this graphic. But but I actually wanted to pull back even more, and and I wanted to ask um, either how you did this or uh, how you think uh, people might go about this if this was very intuitive for you. Um, what do people do if they have trouble identifying motivations, internal or external, or, or identifying strengths in the, and weaknesses in the first place? There's so many people that, 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 I, that I chat with on YouTube that, that, that have, have, don't even know where to begin to, to even just identify something like that and write it down and be confident that this is what they like and this is what they love and this is what they're good at or where their motivation comes from for something. Okay, you're referring to the, the finding flow state chapter. Yeah, it was, it was in the flow chapter and, and, the, and the graphic I'm referring to was titled, The Sweet Spot of Your Motivated Capabilities. Intrinsic, extrinsic motivations on one end, strength, strengths, weaknesses on the other. And then, and, then, and then in the paragraph below, you were talking about how, how these related to flow. I wanted to pull back way even before getting to flow and, and ask like, what do people do if they have problems identifying their motivations and their strengths in the first place? People would probably want to do something like journaling okay. in, in that case. If people, if people don't, if people aren't sure what their strengths and, and weaknesses are, they would, they would, would want to, yeah, I would say do some do some introspection, do some do some writing about yourself. I remember a couple of, a couple of years back, I started okay, I started this writing project that was called self authoring. Have you ever did you ever hear about this? I think I have actually. That sounds familiar. Yeah, this was Jordan Peterson's product, oh, and okay. he, I like him. Yeah, and so he had this he had this this uh, writing project where you would go through and you would write these essays about yourself and about different episodes in your life. And you would write about, you would write about uh, times that there was a challenge and you failed. You would write about uh, times that you overcame something that you couldn't think you overcame. You would write about what was your first experience of uh, rejection in your life? Or what was your first memory of people being generous to you? And to be honest with you, I didn't actually finish this product because it was, it had all these different modules that you would do writing in. And it was real, there was a tremendous number of modules in it. And it also had kind of, it had kind of a clunky text editor to it. You would write into this text editor on his website, and then it would and then it would save them and organize them in these in these modules. But it wasn't quite as good as like as like MS Word might be, or Google Docs might be, or uh, Medium.com might be. And so I I think I made it about about halfway through the self-authoring program. And I just got, I, I just got, I, I did learn some interesting things about myself. You know, when you spend some time, it sounds kind of like nasal gazing. It sounds maybe a little bit narcissistic, but it, it really is worth, 
doing some journaling, maybe using a tool like self-authoring. I'm sure there's other, I, I'm sure there's other things like that out there on the internet of, of writing about your experiences and your, and your, and your past. And that's a pretty good way of narrowing down like your strengths, your passions, the nuances of the commonalities in between your failures. It would, uh, that, that's something that would demonstrate, you know, what are the, uh, what are the, um, lost my train of thought there. It's a little, it's a little late here. Sorry, but my, my point is, I, I would say, yeah, if, if people are a bit, are a bit mystified, they, they probably need to do some introspective work. Okay, I like, I like that answer, and, and it makes sense. You know, I went to, for grad school, I attended a, a, a private Buddhist school uh, called Naropa, which, which really ended up being popularized because all the beat poets hung out there, like the Allen Ginsberg Library is there, for example. Um, and and there's, a, there's a large focus on contemplative practices um, by the very nature of it being, being a Buddhist school. Um, but uh, I've, and, 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 and so, I, I mean, I do believe that journaling is, is a contemplative practice, and I've read a bunch of literature um, on journaling being therapeutic, and especially journaling even combined with uh, some form of, of therapy, uh, like psychoanalysis, for example, um, um, being able to reveal information about yourself and understand yourself more. And so, and so, well, yeah, I mean, I, I understand why some people might hear that answer and, 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 and maybe brush, brush it aside. Um, I, I'm, I'm aware, I'm aware of, of, of the, the validity behind that practice. Um, I unfortunately have not found a journal that I really like. I, I, you know, I, I've tried the five minute journal. Um, I, I, right now I'm doing this kind of gratitude journal called wake mm -hmm. up and be awesome. I have something called the best self journal, um, uh, over there somewhere, uh, that is, that is, uh, quite intense. Um, but I, I only recently started listening to Jordan Peterson stuff. And I know, I know he is, or was a professor in, I think it was like, was it Ontario or something or maybe Toronto? University of Toronto. I, I think he's like a millionaire now though. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I can't, I can't imagine he's like, he's like a clinical psychologist practitioner anymore. Um, but I mean, I've, I mean, I just, I've listened to probably like just five or six hours of, of his talks on YouTube. And then I, and then I bought, um, just recently, uh, one of his books, um, that I started listening to on Audible. So, and, and I really, I, I mean, he's very like, he's very Jungian in his approach, mm -hmm. which I really appreciate. Um, and uh, because most contemporary psych people um, um, kind of reject a lot of, a lot of that stuff. And so um, the self-authoring project, that's something, I mean, I'm gonna take that advice for sure. Um, hopefully it's a product that's still available. The chapter on the, the chapters on tantric sex had were you familiar with any of that stuff um yes i am familiar not in practice but in in, in theory and reading yeah yeah i've been I, it, it's come most most con contemplative um studies have you know have at least at least a small unit on on that so yeah mm -hmm. and you're you're a single guy Correct. No, I do have a girlfriend, but I'm single as in I'm not married. Correct. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, you have a girlfriend. Great. Well, you can, you can perhaps if, if your girlfriend's interested. Bit of synchronicity start to here actually, because she, she brought it up like literally last night. So. <laughs> oh, really? That's, 
that's 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 very cool. So a lot of people are probably already aware of uh, what is called around the internet no fab, which is basically abstaining from using internet porn, which is it's pretty obvious why that's a good idea. Why it's a good idea to abstain from it. You know, internet porn it uh, reprograms your brain to just have really ridiculous expectations of sex. And then it drains you, it lowers your testosterone. Uh, it drains you of a bunch of essential nutrients of so that cerebral spinal fluid that your brain needs. It makes your, it, it makes your dopamine receptors uh, really insensitive so that you can't, you know, enjoy the natural pleasures of life a whole lot. So a lot of people know that uh, masturbating to internet porn is for guys specifically, is really uh, a pretty insidious bad habit to have, and so a lot of these uh, a lot of these guys they call themselves no fabbers who are committed to no use of internet porn. What they do is they also they say, okay, I'm never going to masturbate. I'm giving up masturbation. I will never touch my own dick again, <laughs> and. Which, which, uh, which is actually quite empowering. It does increase your testosterone. It is real motivational fuel to go out there and thrive a bit more in life and go after the kinds of girls and relationships and things that you really want in your life. But I kind of take this to a next level with tantric cultivation. And so this, there's a lot of woo-woo surrounding this, but it actually is underlined by a fairly, fairly ordinary physiological type of things where you have got your PC muscle, your pubococcygygus muscle, which is this, it's this funny muscle that both men and women have that kind of forms this, this loop inside of your inside of your junk down there around your dick and then around your balls and your prostate on the other side and this muscle like any other muscle in your body it can be exercised and the main way that you exercise it is just by doing doing kegels you know about kegels right yeah okay so for people who might not kegels are where you just uh you want to focus on flexing the muscle that is at the very bottom of your torso. You wanna to focus on flexing the muscle that is as far down there, down there next to your balls and your cock as you can. And that is your PC muscle. If you're still a little bit confused of what, it, what constitutes a proper Kegel, what you wanna do is uh, you go to the bathroom to go pee. And obviously this is, this is for gentlemen, I'm, I'm not yet, giving advice for, uh, for women about tantric <laughs> sex. You'll have to find a, a lady sexpert for that. But what guys will want to do is you go to the bathroom to go pee, and then you go and block off this, the, the stream of pee. You know, you, you clamp down on that muscle down there, and you, you hold it in. Hold it in, Steve. Hold it in. And then you, and then you release it. And then you hold it in again. And uh, ideally with the exercises is every time you go to the bathroom, you do kind of like five uh, spurts 
And then, and in between, you hold down on, you hold in the P and this is, that's what a Kegel feels like. So you start to do that and you get more familiar with exercising that part of your body. And then the, then the next step beyond that is you want to, you want to start doing Kegels with some regularity. Kegels are not like an instant satisfaction life hack. You need to do them for, it's going to be in between like, like two months to four months of doing Kegels pretty consistently. And then you'll start to have like several times a day. Like you said, six, six times a day or like one session is like six times every day. Actually, actually you'd, you'd want to do it. You'd want to do it when you go to the bathroom, obviously, Mm -hmm. because what else are you doing when you go to the bathroom? Right. I mean, on being distracted by Twitter on my phone, probably because we're, you know, not yeah, well, well, you can you can kegel and tweet at the same time. You can multitask. <laughs> You're on like 10 different types of smart drugs. It shouldn't be a problem for you. So you want to do kegels quite frequently. My, I, I have a little, I have a little rule, a little reminder, which is that uh, whenever I see something load, I do a kegel. So I visit a website and it takes a second for the website to load. So I do a kegel. Or I open up a new application, takes a second for the application to open on my phone. So I do a Kegel. So you want to do actually quite, quite a few of them uh, to get to the point where it's going to improve your, uh, where it's going to improve your lovemaking. And it, yeah, so it is a little bit more of a long-term commitment. But uh, so, so that's, I guess, kind of level two is doing Kegels with some regularity. And then level three is where this is where things get weird, Steve. I'm ready. Is, is you want to do meditative masturbation. So you'll, you'll go and do your meditation like, like normal, uh, probably laying down on a bed or maybe, maybe a seat somewhere. I don't know how you do it. You don't have to tell me. Whatever, whatever makes you feel comfortable. But uh, you go and do, you go and start doing your meditation like normal, doing your deep, profound breathing and then as you're doing that you want to start to just uh touch yourself stroke yourself slowly uh you know really take take your time you know try to try to make it last uh 10 20 minutes try to do uh and tantric people we call this self cultivation which is kind of your this is this is your training this is you know like when luke skywalker was there in that swamp with yoda and he had to he had to train before he was ready to fight Darth Vader, right? Had to run around with Yoda on his back with all of his gear and 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 leap from leap from trees and I I, I just get so 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 it's what, what was that called again? The the term of the brand you used. This is called your the brand. There's there's no brand. It's just self cultivate. It's just you 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 and your. you and your man parts this i asked that because my question my real question is did you coin this term uh meditation masturbation is this is this a is this a jonathan rosalind original meditative masturbation oh geez i'm trying to think if i have heard that elsewhere let's let's google that i think you should own it man that's 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 a good one and this (laughs) you know this video oh my gosh so this is gonna this is i feel like this is now too hot for youtube because like now we have like graphic depictions of meditative masturbation on the Steve Cronin YouTube channel. 
how many flags am I gonna get for this? This, 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 this could be my first, uh, this section could be my first video on, uh, on mines. Okay. Lovely, yeah, sounds that, good. Because that, that PC muscle doesn't sound too PC as in politically correct for YouTube. <laughs> yes, that's not the kind of PC that they, <laughs> that, 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 that they want. So you, so, so uh, luckily the, the meditative masturbation stage, this doesn't, and I just, let's see, I just Googled it. I'm not finding a lot other than what I, uh, let's see, I don't know. There's a, this is, yours. There's, this is yours. I love it. This is, this is a new branding for, for, for if you have future like tantric centric content, I, I, I this is, this is a good key. You could own this keyword and, and hmm. have the number one, number one ownership of this keyword in SEO, meditative masturbation. Although I am seeing in the Google search results a Facebook meetup group for men's mindful and masturbation meet. I would not meet up to do this. That, that <laughs> sounds awful to me. <laughs> so, so you kind of be laying down, sitting down. Now, now in terms of, so I've done quite a bit. I had like mandatory meditation in, in grad school. So I've done quite a bit of, of mindfulness meditation. Um, I've, done, I've done a significant amount of, of, of compassion meditation. I, and I've done a significant amount of, um, of, uh, 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 now I'm blanking. It's what, it's the style of meditation that TM is, mantra meditation. Um, so is there a specific, can you do, is it, is it whatever you pra your practice is, you do your practice and is the way that you touch or stroke yourself in gestures of upwards and downwards or side or however you do it, is that supposed to align with like breathing or, or what is what is an ideal uh, what is an ideal type of meditation um, and 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 yeah we can be specific. this this it's, is on another platform <laughs> it's really not very complicated you just want to focus on profound breathing while while you're stroking yourself slowly slowly that's 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 the main point is you want to you want to avoid orgasming. If, okay. if you orgasm during the meditative masturbation, then you're kind of taking things a little bit too far. That, that will happen. That will happen sometimes. But uh, that's, that's something that you want to avoid a bit more. Um, and what it does is mostly, mostly when we are orgasming, we are, we're, we're either... Uh, in front of a computer looking at porn or either we're making love to somebody. And so our focus is, is often on something, on something that's kind of external. Mm -hmm. And so when you do this meditative masturbation thing, your, your focus really goes into what's, what's going on in your, in, in, in your, in your body. And you, you, so you focus on the, on the kegels and what's interesting and there's there's two books on this. So this whole this whole domain is not something that I invented. This is something that has been around for a really long time, and it's part of this this Eastern spiritual tradition that goes back many thousands of years. And the two really good books that people should read if they want to learn, if they want to really get into the weeds on this, is the Multi Orgasmic Man, and then the Tao of health, sex, and longevity. And these, these have gotta be two of the most underrated biohacking books. Uh, you know, I read a ton and obviously I'm 
perusing and consuming a ton of information online. But these two books, like they were blowing, blowing my mind as, as I was reading them. And so the, yeah, so there's a, a breathing technique in the book, which is, which is actually, it sounds a bit complicated and it takes a little while to learn, but once you learn it, it gets really simple where you apply what the Taoists call uh, locks. And so the Taoists say that you have these, these three different locks in your body and that one of the locks is, uh, is down there in, in, in your, uh, in your genitals. One of the locks is in your, is in your abdominal, is in your abdominal cavity. And then one of them is in your, is, is in your throat where your, uh, glottis meets your tongue actually. And what they advise is that you do this meditative masturbation and you focus on your sexual energy moving up your spine into your brain, which sounds, which sounds really woo woo. But yeah. if you, if you, if you follow the instructions that are in those books, and I also have the, these instructions synopsized and perhaps stripped down a little bit from some of the stuff that I found woo woo uh, in my book, in those chapters in my book, if you follow these instructions, you really will, it really is quite uncanny that you notice the, the sexual energy and this kind of like clear, um, kind of uh, pleasurable feeling that you notice it migrating from your genitals into your brain. And it can, it adds uh, a lot of flavor to lovemaking. It can elongate lovemaking. I would say that it's definitely a factor in uh, the, the relationship that I have that I have now, which is a much better relationship that I've ever had with any other women in my life. And I would uh, credit uh, this, this domain of tantric stuff as being a, a factor in that. You know, it's interesting. It, sound, it sounds really similar to, to, to Kundalini, which is which, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a, a vertical uh, a spiral of, of and I, I the term energy, but a vertical spiral of energy going upwards towards, towards your head. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think going, you know, going back to what you said about, about this, these being, these being internal states or these are interiors, right? They're not like sexual energy moving up your spine to your brain. is not, it's not something that's, that's going to be, you know, measurable in a, in a scientific sense. And so I understand how that, how that, how that, could sound could sound woo woo to to, to 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 many people, um, but but uh, but but the way the way I'm hearing this from you is that it's it's more about it's more about um, realizing and, and and focusing and and discovering these in, in internal experiences that 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 are with that are within you that are are aren't measurable, and and one more thing that I just I've never had this thought before, um, but my history like you know. <laughs> Steve Cronin's brief history of pornography, right? Like, like first discovered it around like age 12 or whatever, age 13 or 12. And I feel like my entire, you know, unless I, you know, I'm sleeping with another person, like my entire masturbation for my entire life, just because, you know, very nature of like growing up essentially with internet access um, has been, uh, has been interacting with, with something that's been constructed, um, you know, by a pornographer, uh, and, and and interacting with something external, and I've never ever ever considered um, what insights someone might have, or or what like realms of like internal subjective territory can be can be treaded um, simply by by 
not you know, watching porn when you, when you touch yourself. So this sounds, sounds very fascinating. And certainly for a biohacker who's interested in taking more control of their mind and finding out more about who they are and expanding their awareness, um, I see how this is incredibly relevant. So. Oh, can I share one more sex hack with you? Please. I wanted to show this to you. You probably don't read Cyrillic. That is Epimedium. Epimedium. Okay. Yeah, and I definitely don't read. What is it called? Cyrillic. What <laughs> language? What's the origin of that? Bulgarian. Bulgarian. Okay. Sorry, what, say the word again. Epimedium, a.k.a. horny goatweed. Oh, horny goat weed. Got it. Yep. Have you tried horny goat weed? Yeah, I did. The vendor was probably shit though, because because I didn't I didn't have any effects unless I didn't take it for long enough. How much did you use? This was like five years ago, so I don't remember. I don't remember the dosage, but I probably went through went through like a quarter of a bottle. So I would imagine whatever I would imagine that would have been like probably five doses over five days. But okay. Yeah. This this was this was back like this was back like five years ago when I was just like before before like I would be able to get you know on it to send me stuff for free to talk about I had to like buy really cheap stuff <laughs> to talk about on YouTube all right horny goat weed yeah horny goat weed is I, I've, I've tried a number of these different uh sex hacks and different uh, uh sexual enhancement type supplements and I keep going back to horny goat weed because it really, it, it, I think it has a re, if you're using quality stuff with herbs, quality really matters. And when you're using good stuff, it really has, uh, it really does improve the sensation. And in, uh, there was this book written recently by Stephen Kotler called Stealing Fire. And in the book, he talks a lot about how sex can be a, gateway to ecstasis, to a, a state of enhanced, of altered cognition, of altered state of mind. And I think I, think I have the most uh, ecstatic sex when I'm on horny goat weed. So I am, a, I'm a really big fan of this stuff. And the, the powdered stuff, I think is, it's actually a whole lot more economical to get really quality powdered stuff over getting the stuff in capsules. And in my experience, it's also a bit more potent if you consume it as a tea, as a pre-coital tea, as opposed to taking as opposed to taking those little capsules with the rest of your supplements. Okay, so absorption-wise, um, does now does the temperature does the temperature affect the quality, whether it's boiling or warm or? I've noticed that a lot of adaptogenic herbs, when I take them powdered in a tea, they have a lot more acute effect. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. I think it probably has to do something with the hot water opening up more of the pores that are uh, maybe in your throat, in your mouth, in your stomach, in your intestines. I, I, I personally find uh, adaptogens in steeped water to be uh, better than anything else, certainly better than taking them in capsules. Okay, and is this mostly water soluble or should you eat food slash fat um, before taking it? I think it's just water soluble. I've, uh, I haven't noticed any difference doing it empty stomach or after a giant Bulgarian feast. And, and this is a brand that you recommend? 
Actually, I do not. This is just the store that is here in town where I get it from. Probably the brand that I would recommend is Lost Empire Herbs. Okay. They, they have standards that I think are just above and beyond as far as their spectroscopy and their uh, mineralogy reports and their, their purity standards for the organic herbs that they produce. So I would probably recommend that to the U.S. Okay. customers. And then everyone else just, you just want to get, you want to get powdered stuff and you want to ideally find a vendor that provides a, a COA, a, a spectroscopy report showing purity. And you want to do a bit more of the stuff too. I think I tried horny goat weed for the first time a couple of years back. And I was just doing like one or two of those little capsules that were, I don't know, like maybe uh, 500 milligrams or something like that. And I discovered that that's just a rookie dosage. You want to get your, okay. your dosage up. You want to do, you want to do like maybe a gram. You could do two grams of the stuff. It's just an herb. So it's, it's good for you. It's, there's no downside to doing a lot of it other than, uh, I, I don't know, you're going to have a girl that's, that's extra cheery and happy and cuddling with you all the time. Um, and it's, it, it's active. The active ingredient of epimedium is Icarin, which is, which, which is a nootropic itself. Although I don't, I don't notice real acute uh, nootropic effects from it. So I, I don't take it as a nootropic. I take it to have amazing sex. I and 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 I'm interested in in trying this the proper way to uh, in order to 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 experience a new uh, state of consciousness because I think that um, you know one of the theories in developmental psychology and and which I think is really relevant to biohacking and and I, and I, unfortunately I don't think a lot of like the pop biohackers like Dave Asprey spend spend enough time or any time talking about this but but this idea of you know, transient states of consciousness that you're going in and out of, whether whether you are like in a focused state, which which people like me and, and our audience probably obsess over a lot or, or creative states, but but the, the more often you engage with unfamiliar states of consciousness, um, like perhaps one that could be uh, induced by this horny goat weed um, and or the, uh, the tantric practice that you described, um, the, uh, the more that you engage with those un unknown states, um, and then the more likely it is that that um, but that your psychological stages will, will your growth through them will, will, will accelerate. Um, and, and, uh, some people resort to, to taking psychedelic drugs to, to achieving those altered states, which, which for a long-term strategy, uh, usually, usually doesn't work. Um, but, but this is something that sounds really exciting. So I am, I'm on board. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't done more thorough experimentation with it, with it already. And yeah, you, you already have a girlfriend. I, I talk with a ton of guys that are like, I, in it, right. I mean, like who brought it up and had no idea that I had like even knew what it was. So <laughs> yes, that's, that's an open door. Venture through it. You won't regret it. Alrighty. Sounds good. Um, cool. Well, thanks. This, I'm so glad that we got to chat. I mean, this was, this was a lot of fun. Uh, even though we, we went on for quite a long time. I really appreciate it. Um, Great. Can, can, can I mention uh, some, another topic that I'm exploring this week that I, that I think you'll be really interested in? And I'd actually would love to get your feedback on it at some point in the future. Let's do it. So I'm, this week I'm publishing on my channel a really in-depth video, almost kind of like a mini documentary on 
transhumanism. There was a, there's a really groundbreaking new book that came out that is sort of about transhumanism. That's called The Revolutionary Phenotype. And I am uh, also this week, I'm going to be doing a podcast with the author of this book, who is this really uh, real intellectual tour de force, uh, French Canadian philosopher. And I, I, think, I, I, I think that transhumanism might be really evil. I think it might be a really, really bad idea. I think it might be close to the top of the... The, the bad ideas that are in the world right now. I, I'm not really sure about that, but I'm, I'm just, I'm exploring some of what might be the dark sides of how technology and biology being so intertwined is going to radically change our society. And so I'm, yeah, on Limitless Mindset channel, I'm going to be putting out a, uh, a video that goes really in depth into that. And I hope it stimulates a lot of deep thinking about the future and some debate and discussion. So people will want to uh, subscribe to me if they haven't already and uh, be, on, be on the lookout for that. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to watch that. I will I will say that that um, I mean, transhumanism used to be, and and maybe some people still consider it to be, but transhumanism used to be like a, an umbrella term. Um, I mean, like when I was reading about transhumanism when I was like in in like 2004 or 2005, like there was a lot of different camps, and 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 just like breaking down the etymology of the world or of the world. Breaking down the etymology of the word, um, simply just meaning like like what it means to be beyond human, or or what it what it means to to identify beyond you know your body or, or beyond being human. And there was a lot of different a lot of different groups and a lot of different areas of study that fell under transhumanism. And somehow I don't I don't know how maybe because it's really sexy and we're living in a tech a tech centric you know culture, but somehow. This, this, what used to be a pretty small camp of people who wanted to integrate themselves with machines hijacked this word and hijacked this area of study of transhumanism. And now when people hear this word, they equate it with, you know, people who want to like, you know, turn themselves into androids or something. Um, so, so, uh, and, and, and yeah, I mean, that's, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to know, and I, I'm sure I'll find out watching, watching this doc uh, of why you think it's so incredibly dangerous. I mean, I listened to the listen to the Elon Musk interview on Joe Rogan. And I know that he's mm -hmm. very anti like AI and stuff, but he seems pretty pro, um, you know, integrating uh, technology um, um, with, with, with our bodies in order to increase uh, our, our functionality, whether cognitively or otherwise. Um, uh, and, and so, so I'm, 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 you know, I don't really have an opinion on that. I mean, it, it's, it's so different and so out there and so sci-fi and so weird. Like I don't even understand how I could, you know, conceive that in a real way to have an opinion on that. And so I'm, I am sympathetic to, to it being bad. Um, but, but I felt, yeah, I mean, I, I feel uh, needing to point out that, that, that these, these, these people, um, this small camp somehow grew to like, to like own this term. Um, and there's a lot of great stuff with, uh, with transhumanism um, out there that does not involve machines at all. Um, and sure. simply, simply addresses um, who we are, uh, you know, b beyond just like our brains and our and, and our bodies. Um, and lastly, whew, there's something else I want to say about transhumanism, but I went pretty I went pretty far there, so <laughs> on a rant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all, all all good. I I'm really happy to have reconnected with you.
legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset Podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.